1: The following program was pre-recorded.
2: Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best
1: two hours of economic news and commentary.
0: Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
1: It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy.
2: Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. If you're
0: going
1: to fix complicated problems, you have to learn how to fix problems first
2: now here's professor King Banyan good morning and welcome King Banyan show the biz 1440 beautiful morning happy late August to you okay it is the opposite of a fair weekend uh, uh, forecast today uh, highs at least up here in the in the st. Cloud area the highs will reach about 75. Um, And uh, mostly sunny skies, not too humid, humid enough, not too too humid. This is this is just glorious weather. We were. I'm going to do a little behind the scenes thing. We were there's there's a job in a radio station where someone has to do these little pieces of recording that get used over and over again as part of your normal process. And and it used to be this guy's voice would say, "Porsche's the previous program, maybe pre-recorded." kind of like that I don't know who the young woman is that does this now and she might not actually be that young for all I know just has a young voice but what a nice look what a nice voice I I, I kind of like that well, maybe pre-recorded you know sort of sort of like oh by the by, I right? <laughs> love that love that it's uh, it's just uh, it just tickles me anyway King Bang you show the biz 1440. Thank you for being here today. Uh, hopefully, you're gonna you're gonna have a uh, you're having as nice a day as the people in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where the uh, Kansas City Federal Reserve's conference is going on right now. Indeed, it's kind of it's delightful that uh, to see this. I if I'm remembering right, this is Esther George's last one. She's the president of the Kansas City Fed. I think she's still the president. She announced her retirement, but I believe her retirement doesn't come till the end of the month. So I think this is her her valedictory, uh, and um, and that's going to be that's that's kind of cool. But everyone's been sitting on pins and needles. Heck, you go back and listen to the podcast last week. I was saying, look, nothing's happening until Jay Powell gets up and speaks at Jackson speaks at Jackson Hole. And so he did, and in fact actually kind of made fun of the fact that his speech last year, he'd flown all the way Jackson Hole. his speech was seven minutes. Now, there's part of me that's like, great, right? If you don't have anything to say, don't don't say anything at all. This was a little bit like that insofar as as it's uncommon for for the Fed to try to make, big policy announcements while they're at some mountain resort in, in, in the Rockies. They typically won't do that. Now they've had set pieces that they've given at Jackson hole. I can think of one or two that, that Ben Bernanke did back in his time as the, as a, as a fed chair. Um, I think Yellen did it once. And actually, if you go back to 2019, you heard some policy conversations being offered by by Jay Powell, who was was Fed chair has been Fed Chair since twenty eighteen. And he was also saying saying some things of, of some importance at this thing. But by and large, your role is typically not there to make a lot of news. Um But because you're the chair of the Federal Reserve, you're at a Federal Reserve event, you have in the audience, and I'm just going to do the set for you here, you have in the audience all of these folks who are central bankers at other countries, all of the folks who are like in in the creme de la creme of monetary policy and monetary theory researchers. I've also been talking about one of these years, I need... I probably can go as an as a member of the faculty at St. Cloud State, where I where I've worked here since the nineteen eighties. In my my first paper I ever published, back in nineteen eighty three, was about the independence of the Federal Reserve, and back then the Bundesbank, which no longer exists, superseded by the European Central Bank, um, and, and so forth. You're you're getting to walk around, so so there are. There are central bank leaders from uh, Britain, Japan. I have a clip from Christine Lagarde, the head of the European Central Bank. The South African central bank governor was there. Um, New Zealand was there. I saw a clip of uh, a clip of him there. Um, pretty much, it's a who's who of central banking, all descending on this place. In the in the mountains and you know in in the Rockies, the scenery's beautiful. Bloomberg sets up a uh, sets up a, a video shop and broadcasts its its daily news from Jackson Hole for two days. Um, CNBC had, I think, Leisman was there. I there may have been someone else there. I didn't see. It doesn't look like they did a full set like Bloomberg does. Uh, Which is why, by the way, you should be listening to AM 1440 during the week. Okay? No one does financial news like Bloomberg does. Uh, I just... I'm not saying that because I work for the station. I don't get paid to say that. I'm just telling you, when I want to know what's happening in finance, you know, particularly like if I want to know what's going on in Europe or in Asia during the evening hours, that's where I'm going. Um I'm listening. I'm listening to the radio. I'm 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 tuned into their TV station. And just, just need to have it. So they did the f- they did the full thing. They had all that stuff out there. Yahoo Finance had a had a piece out there. It is. It's not too much to say. It's sort of a who's who of uh, in the monetary world. And yes, I would. It's one of two places I'd like to go. Do a remote a remote broadcast for you. Um, And maybe 2024 is the year we do it. We're gonna. We, I'd like to do. I want to do Jackson Hole, and I want to do Omaha for the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. Um, because, and I want to do it next year. Because you know what? <laughs> uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are not getting any younger. Uh, but the the wisdom that the I think I think they're two sharp guys, and listening to the two of them on a stage together is is pretty, Just seems pretty fabulous. Yes, I can watch the video. It's not the same as being in the room. Um, anyway, let's get started with this. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some about Jay Powell today, and, and, and what he had to say. So he's at the. Sp- he's giving a speech early on, and he starts. He starts it out. Um, he starts it out and by talking about the inflation that's been happening so far. But uh, but his setup is basically, he starts, he says, I delivered, a, at last year's symposium, he says, I delivered a brief direct message. No kidding. Inflation's too high. It needs to come down. We're going to keep doing it until the job is done. He could have done it in one minute. He actually took seven. Uh, but it is, I'm pretty sure, the record for the shortest chair's speech by far. This one clocked in at a little over fifteen. It's not a long speech. He had he had time budgeted to go thirty minutes, uh, and instead he went to he he got this all done in fifteen, and and he sort of hints at what he wants to say. This was the last sentence of the introduction. Let's just play this cut number one.
1: Given how far we have come at upcoming meetings, we are in a position to proceed carefully as we assess the incoming data and the evolving outlook and risks.
2: We are in a position to proceed carefully. Is a tip, okay? And and to me that one sentence sir sort of told you everything that was to come after it. What does he mean by that? We are in a position to proceed carefully means we will keep the option of not raising rates further from here. But he also then says a little bit later on, and we'll play that. I think we're going to wait to play that clip till the next segment. But he says afterward, look, I, we are, the, the job is not done. And indeed before that, he says before that, we didn't pull these. I didn't want to do, an, I didn't want this to be like an FMC thing where I pull 18 to 20 clips. I just wanted to pull a six to eight. should do the job. I thought I ended up with six. Um, he says, Inflation has moved down from its peak, a welcome development. It remains too high. We are prepared to raise rates further, if appropriate, and intend to hold policy at a restrictive level until we are confident that inflation is moving sustainably down toward our objective. That is, that he says in the first minute, okay. Um, you didn't really need to know anything. You know, you could have walked out after the first ninety seconds of this talk and have gotten the message. I mean, that's what he's. That's what they're doing. And I, 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 I have this bit of coaching I give to particularly my faculty who tend to write really long emails. I'm I'm a dean. I've been a dean here for now going on a decade here at at St. Cloud State. Um and I but I have a new college that I'm deaning this year. Um and one of the yes, deaning is a – it's a verb. You can use that. And I said, <laughs> and I and I received about a half dozen emails and, and sent out an email to the entire college and said said, Let me give you some advice. After two hundred words, most people stop read, stop comprehending everything you're saying. So here in the first hundred and fifty, in the first probably, probably two hundred, maybe two hundred and fifty words that Jay Paul says he's told you. We think rates are still too high. We'll raise rates further if appropriate but we're going to proceed carefully. What more do you need to know? To me, to me, the speech was like sort of, there's a couple other zingers in here that we're going to have to play for you. But he did, he did what, what uh, some people call bottom line up front. He put the bottom line of this talk right in the first two paragraphs. And, There was no doubt at that moment. Okay, he's keeping that on the table. And the markets reacted. I'll read you after the break how the markets reacted yesterday in response to the Powell speech. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440.
0: Well, I was born on a Sunday. On Thursday I had me a job.
2: Welcome back. King Bing Show. Yeah. Love that song. Don't know why, but I do. 651-289-4477. Number to call with questions and comments. 651-289-4477. So Jay Powell at the meeting uh, at Jackson Hole in this beautiful wood paneled room sitting on a, on a, high plane with the Rockies behind him tells people tells the gathered uh, audience which is mostly central bankers monetary policy theorists from from uh, universities around the world um, and the financial press although inflation has moved down from its peak it remains too high we're prepared to raise rates further it, you know, to moving sustainably toward our goal. So for the meeting at, um, for the meeting, uh, coming up in September, the rates moved such that, such that from in the one day or in the two days that happened there, um, they moved from, I gotta, I have to do this with a mouse, they moved from eighty-eight percent no change and twelve percent twenty-five basis points to 80-20 two days later. All right, so some increase there, but I think the more interesting lesson from this is to see what happened when we got to when we got to uh, uh, got to the November first meeting, where we're now with a greater probability. It's it's only a 44% chance now that they will not change, they will not raise the rate by at least one move by the November meeting. So some of the betting is that they'll do it in September, but more of the betting is they'll do it in in on the 1st of November, including about a 9% probability implied by the, by the Fed Fund's futures market, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, that they'll actually raise rates two times Both September and November I can't see them doing 50 that just strikes me as that's off the table I think but could they do rate hikes at both of the next two meetings I think it all depends what happens with inflation it just is entirely dependent on the inflation forecast and to get to get at that I think we have to go look at look at the rest of the speech and what what's going on in his head as he thinks about thinks about what's hap- what's happening with 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 inflation he he then and i cut out we're we're going to jump ahead in the speech it's about 15 minutes i jump ahead about about 7 to 8 minutes here because everything up to there is something you've heard he does the 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 whole i'm going to take core pce And then I'm going to divide it out into parts, goods, housing, and services. He's been singing from this hymnal for about six months now. Right? And their focus has been on it, right? Which to me is a signal to you. We will get a revision on the PCE data. I'm not going to talk much about data today because it just wasn't very much. But, um... You'll get core PCE for uh, for uh, July on Thursday of this coming week with an expected year-over-year number of 4.2%. If it comes in above 42 expect rates to jump because I think that will shift the logic of how people are expecting the Fed to act toward maybe they're going to move in september because they didn't get a they got a reasonable number in august or on the on the june number but now they're getting a bad they got a number that's slightly up in july if it comes in at 43 or 44 four on the year over year or the core pc on a single on a single basis um would be coming in at at two-tenths percent if it comes at 0.3 or 0.4. That's significant. And I'll remind you, we're here next week on Labor Day weekend for one reason and one reason only. I get the PCE data, and I actually get my unemployment report on Friday. Those are two of the three last pieces of information that we're going to have before the Fed's next meeting. So, so Powell was up there speaking the Friday before, basically a week before, he gets two of the last, two very important data points. And in fact, after Friday, he only has one very important data point left, which will be August CPI before he gets to the September meeting. He won't have any, he won't know third quarter GDP. He will not know he will not know anything about august uh, pce his preferred measure he won't have that so but he will have this and these so we're going to need to talk about this which is why i'm doing the labor day show i'm gone a couple weeks later i take i take my my late summer vacation and actually comes on the last weekend of summer which is kind of my, kind of a tradition for me so i'll take that time off but not not this particular time Um, so what does Paul say? Let's, let's click through some of the remainder of what he had to say. Let's play this. So he then, I I should say, he then jumps to, he then jumps to talking at the end about, about this, about the last category, non-housing services of the PCE deflator, core PCE deflator. He's talking about that, trying to understand what's in that. And he says, hey, this is over half of core PCE. It includes health care, food services, transportation, hotels, uh, and so forth. And he says, look, this inflation number has gone sideways. And then he adds this, cut number two.
1: Production of these services is also relatively labor-intensive, and the labor market remains tight. Given the size of this sector, some further progress here will be essential in restoring price stability. Over time, restrictive monetary policy will help bring aggregate supply and demand back into better balance, reducing inflationary pressures in this key sector.
2: This is why we'll be here next week, because we have to go look at that number. And well, of course, we have to do jobs Saturday, so that's hour one, and then, and then the the inflation report's hour two. See, my show wrote itself. I don't actually. It's super easy for me to do a radio uh, to do the King Bangian show on the Biz fourteen forty when it turns out I'm going to have data coming in that I know is important to policymakers. Now, in the next hour, I'm going to do some. I'm going to do some some talk back about uh, about some of the fiscal policy and kind of what and. and I might actually say something a little more political, um, because I, I I almost pulled a clip from the from the Republican debate because there was something said that was like important, but I'll just I'll just talk it out with you instead, because uh, I'm not giving any candidate free airtime. Um, we're not going to we're not going to do that. But I I think this point here is is a signal. He's like he's marking this. He's waving. His hand over it to say this is the thing that I'm waiting on, before I'm willing to say that the fight against inflation is won. I have to see more. In, I have to see more here with this this non housing services core PCE index. So Thursday morning I'm going to be jamming on, the, on on the Bureau of Labor Statistics web. I'm sorry, not. The Bureau of Economic Analysis website to try to pull up this number. They don't report it directly. You kind of have to pull it out of some of the other information that's there. But um, it's part of it's all part of the service we provide to you um, here on the show. Let me play. Let's play one more clip here. Uh, So he's given that all that information. He's told you his base point. He said to you what he want. You know what is he looking at? Non-housing, Non-hous- non-housing core PCE services, and and he's he's been very firm on this. I'm going to say for a while he didn't just pull this rabbit out of a hat. He actually has been on this for a while. Let's play cut number three.
1: But we are attentive to signs that the economy may not be cooling as expected. So far this year, GDP growth has come in above expectations and above its longer-run trend. And recent readings on consumer spending have been especially robust. In addition, after decelerating sharply over the past 18 months, the housing sector is showing signs of picking back up. Additional evidence of persistently above-trend growth could put further progress on inflation at risk and could warrant further tightening of monetary policy.
2: Now, we need to talk about this because there's a lot of criticism that the Fed is getting over the fact that this view seems to be we can't see inflation come down until we pull down the amount of demand for goods and services that are happening here. And a lot of people are interpreting this to say that the Federal Reserve has a Phillips curve model in its head it has to raise the unemployment rate that is in fact i think a misunderstanding of what the fed is trying to say what it is trying to say is that we can act on we can act on inflation and pull that down only to the extent that we can get wages wage increases to moderate real wages are rising after a period of time where where we said i'm sure you can find me saying this in some old podcast that real wages were not ke- that wages were not keeping up with inflation. Over the last six months that hasn't been true. For real wages to rise there has to be an increase in productivity. And the argument is whether or not and we remember we talked about this a few weeks ago the argument is whether or not productivity is increased. And I will I will say Powell, I don't think, uses the word productivity once in the 15 minutes. And he he was criticized for that by some folks, and I think they're right to do that. Real wages can rise without causing inflation if, but only if, productivity increases. What he's saying is, he's implying that he doesn't see the productivity growth in the data yet. If he does, maybe things will change. I need to take a break. When we come back after this more of the Powell speech and some reactions to it coming up here on the King Banyan show on the biz 14:40. King Banging Show, the Biz fourteen forty. Thank you for listening today. Very, um, very interesting news that came in. Um, came in highly noted uh, around the internet uh, yesterday. Uh, we had um, we, we we had uh, a, a strike vote from the United Auto Workers, GM, Ford, and uh, I believe it's Honda, the, the company that owns Honda or the the holding company for Honda uh, named uh, Stellantis. Um, uh, their union uh, the union representing uh, workers in those three those three corporations are saying if we don't have a contract by the end of our the of our current contract which ends on September 14th we're authorizing the uh, union leadership to call a strike. Doesn't mean a strike's going to happen, doesn't mean it does not but you know, I was talking about the fact that we're focused on services and particularly these non housing core services. But one area where there's been a lot of pressure and a lot of in, in factories has been in automobiles. And there's still a lot of demand. I um I was pricing I bought a car last spring and and I think I mentioned a few weeks ago I had an accident with the car. Um, the cars in the shop to have it to have repairs done we have a loaner which is the same model but a different trim the higher the higher level trim which i had said i didn't want when uh, we bought the original car my wife is now second guessing me and saying well this is really nice what would it cost to get into this well, i'll spare you all the details except for one except for one I assumed it would be impossible because, you know, I was always led to believe when you drive your car off the lot, you lose a bunch of value. If you come back two days later and say, can I trade this in on something else, you're going to pay thousands of dollars. That is currently not true. A used vehicle with a few thousand miles can get in, you know, in the current model year fetches about approximately the same value as what you paid for it and that's a sign that right that's a sign that there's high demand for automobiles for one thing production is still in catch-up mode uh because i said hey well i mean what would it take And, and one of the first things that was that was said to me was, "Well, you know, it's going to take some time for that for us to get that vehicle for you." It's like, but send the them of the model year. How are you going to get? No, no, we can find them, but it's going to take a while. Okay, so anyway, I'm int- I was fascinated by this um, by by this conversation. Um, by you know, f- fascinated by it insofar as as that changing in the price structure seems to me to feed into the idea that right now the manufacturers of uh, the, the manufacturers of automobiles are trying to produce as many as they can because demand is really high i think the same thing's happening in the in the in the uh, in the housing sector so demand there too is really high they're trying to hire people as fast as they can and, you know, the response of uh, the you know, the United Auto workers is, hey, man, let's make hay while the sun shines. Let's come back to uh, the Jay Powell speech um, yesterday at Jackson Hole. Um, so he's just said he's just said something about about the fact that that maybe the economy's not cooling as expected. I'll set the recession conversation aside to another day. We're not. I'm going to wait for the the August data myself. Okay, I'm expecting a I'm expecting a number that that surprises us on the downside. I'm still I'm still leaning toward the fact that we'll still have a recession before the end of the year. It doesn't mean we're going to get a negative number for for on a, for payrolls uh, next week. But I'm just saying the 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 street expectation. Hang on a second, I got a calendar up here. The street expectation on payrolls is 165. I'm going to say it comes in around closer to 125 to 130 based on the data I'm seeing right now. We'll see if I'm right. And if I am right, if it comes in around 125, um, expect the rending of garments over the Labor Day weekend that maybe maybe this idea of a soft landing or no landing might not be coming true. We'll see. So Powell says this, says this about, about hey, the economy's doing better than we thought. And then he, then he continues on. Let's play cut number four.
1: <clears> Two percent <throat> is and will remain our inflation target. We are committed to achieving and sustain, sustaining a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to that level over time.
2: So this is a response to a number of people who have been writing. We, I mean, I talked about Paul Krugman has been on the Make inflation 3% camp for a while. Um, A a couple other people whose names won't ring a bell with you. But we've had had quotes from Jason Furman here. And Jason Furman had a piece in the Wall Street Journal just in the last week saying that that once the Fed stabilizes the inflation rate, it should announce a 3% target rather than a 2% target. It's delightful that basically... Furman, after the speech, had a tweet. I at least liked it. I don't think I retweeted it. That basically said I loved everything about the speech, but I still wish he had said 3%. I wish he hadn't been so firm in saying 2%, right? I'm going to play it one more time because it's like he's just telling you, those of you talking about raising the inflation target, stop. It's not happening. Play it one more time. Cut four.
1: 2% is and will remain our inflation target. We are committed to achieving and sustain, sustaining a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to that level over time.
2: Okay, so for those of you pushing for three percent inflation, shut up. You're not getting two percent. You're not getting a three percent inflation target. Quite simply, indeed. Let me skip over a second to. Uh, to playing uh, one more piece this is sort of this is sort of like all of the all of the other fed presidents were there and i think they were all there in part because i as i said at the be at the outset i believe this is esther george's last conference as as president of the kansas city fed which hosts the jackson hole symposium uh, let's just play this this is uh this is susan Collins. she's president of the federal reserve bank of boston And she's certainly no hawk, but I want you to listen to this. Cut seven.
1: It's going to take some time to really be sure that we are seeing the sustained realignment of demand and supply that is uh, needed in order to bring inflation back on a path that will get back to 2% at a reasonable amount of time. So, you know, until we're actually at each decision point and we have all the data in hand that we're going to have, I don't think it's helpful to say a preset path. We may need additional increments and we may be very near a place where we can hold for a, a substantial amount
2: of time. Contrast that with uh, what Powell says about 2%, and then says this, cut 5.
1: Since the symposium a year ago, the committee has raised the policy rate by 300 basis points, including 100 basis points over the past seven months. And we have substantially reduced the size of our securities holdings the wide range of estimates of these lags suggests that there may be significant further drag
2: in the pipeline this is why they're holding back this is why they're trying to trying to get a grip on whether or not they should they should raise or lower and he's just being he's trying to be i think clear that i get that there might be some additional drag out there. I understand the long and variable lags of monetary policy. But he's already cited, as we said, um, he's already cited that the economy is growing faster than a lot of us expected, me included. Right? Faster than the Fed thought. And this might, in fact, induce them to perhaps have to raise rates a little bit further. Okay, Um, so with that said, I want you to listen very carefully. This is the last clip. This is the last paragraph or part of the last paragraph of the speech. Let's play cut number six.
1: At upcoming meetings, we will assess our progress based on the totality of the data and the evolving outlook and risks. Based on this assessment, we will proceed carefully as we decide whether to tighten further or instead to hold the policy rate constant and await further data.
2: So he only provides himself two options, raise or skip. because I right? Because, again, pause means pause until I make some announcement I'm going to raise again. The way they've worded this, he's been very clear that this language is raise or skip. We'll raise this meeting or we'll skip and maybe raise the next meeting. The market is currently betting that there's only a 20% chance of raise, 80% chance of skip at the next meeting in, on September 20th. But at the meeting on November 1st, they very well could raise. And indeed, there's a more than 50-50 chance, according to the financial futures markets, that the Fed will raise one time either at September or November, and there's a ten percent chance that they would raise it both. I say if they do raise it both, it's because it's because I. If they raise it the September meeting, then I'm completely wrong. Um, if they raise it the November re- meeting, then I'm completely wrong in my recession forecast for this year, because the only reason they would skip both of those is if they saw that the recession was at hand. Otherwise, based on the rest of the speech, I believe that the Fed is going to raise at least one more time. I don't think they'll do two more times. But I have. A, you can't throw away that possibility, depending on what the data does, because the data has fooled us up to here. We need to take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The King Banging Show on the biz, 1440. <music> Alright, raise your hand if you ever saw Peter Frampton play. Okay. Welcome back, King Banging Show, The Biz Fourteen Forty. Okay. I'm gonna guess if you're under forty, you never saw this guy play. Unless you can find I was discovering, um, oh, what was the what was the show? Uh, Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack as its as its host. Um you have to be kind of an old guy to remember Wolfman Jack as a DJ, uh, but um, I, I highly recommend it. I'm actually going to tell Spencer here over the over the air. Um, go to YouTube. There's a whole, there's like an entire library of Wolfman uh, of the Midnight Bert Sugarman's Midnight Special. Uh, I worked in in 1978 and 79. I worked the night shift. At a, the overnight shift, the audit shift as uh, hotel people call it at a Howard Johnson's in New Hampshire and for the first hour and a half of the show, we, I was still checking people in, coming late at night, shift started at 11 and for a uh, good part of that so after, after um, Saturday Night Live came to an end things would die down and I would actually get an hour kind of getting paid to watch the midnight special uh, and Wolfman Jack and some of the great acts that they had back there in the 70s um, that uh, were around that time anyway it's great stuff um, uh, Spencer check it out I think, I think you'll actually enjoy uh, sort of the what the 70s music was like um, uh, in, in, in a fun in, this is the last period before MTV right? it is that, it's that it's that period the five years before MTV first went on the air 651 four, four, seven, seven, number called questions and comments we'll shift gears in the second hour but uh, i just wanted to play one more i'm going to play one more clip of uh, what i was uh, seeing there um, as i mentioned there were a number of speakers at the conference um, the lunch talk yesterday and i have my eye on it they're on a break right now but uh, but uh, they just had what looks like a really interesting paper presented by uh, uh, Laura Alfaro, uh, who's a Harvard uh, Harvard prof, um, is an economist at Harvard. And um, the paper's about global supply chains. And I'll, I'll, I won't be able to talk about it. I can't read it and talk to you about it on the air at the same time. But of the papers that have been presented so far, this one looks like it might be, at least to me, the most interesting, um, suggesting that perhaps... Um, all our attempts to reshore away from China are not doing as much as we think they are. Um, but one person who was there uh, and gave the lunch talk yesterday was Christine Lagarde. We've played her before. She's the president of the European Central Bank. She was the head of the I, of, of the IMF at one time in the past. Um, she was on, uh, I want to say this was in on Bloomberg, and... Um, and and sort of sounding the same notes right to give you a feel for the solidarity around the inflation's not dead yet we need to keep going and we need to do it on a meeting by meeting basis as paul had said lagarde was singing from the same hymnal here you go cut number 10
1: we cannot given the fact that regularities are no longer regular and we have more irregularities than regularities we cannot exclusively rely on inflation outlook as determined by models we have to bring into uh, our reasoning and our considerations other elements other uh, measurements including Underlying inflation, as we see it empirically now, as we anticipate it coming up, we also need to measure the impact of our monetary policy. Mm. How fast does it produce financing tightening, and what consequences will it have?
2: So that's that has two elements, right? He, she's talking about the lags, and, and as Powell did, and she's also talking about something that Powell doesn't talk about, which I I want to point out many of us who predicted recession and who may now have egg on our faces. I, I've not waved, I've not waved the white flag yet, but I I, I have to say um, I have to say it's we're we're behind in the late innings at this point. Um, also have a forecast for inflation, and our forecast for inflation is also probably. In the same way, mismodeled is as is as we've mismodeled GDP growth. And the, I like what the European Central Bank does. They actually publish their forecasts, and they do an evaluation, a public evaluation of whether or not their forecast is any good. The UK has actually hired Ben Bernanke. Uh, who's now at the at the Brookings Institution to come over and do an analysis of the forecasting that the UK that the Bank of England has done to see if it's working well and what I liked about this was that that Powell and the and, and the Fed have not explained how their models went badly in the same way that it seems like our European partners have and I just wanted to point that out to you, that that they're doing it saying we can make decisions meeting by meeting, but there's been no evaluation of whether their models are working or not at the Fed. And i got to kind of think maybe they're not working. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to The King Bangin' Show on The Biz 1440.